Welcome back to the Black Health Lit Podcast, where we focus on all things Black health. The goal of Black Health Lit is to ignite a movement towards better Black health. I'm your host, Rachel Ray Crowder, a public health professional and healthcare consultant in Columbus, Ohio. Today's episode is titled Skin Health Equity. Black don't crack, but it does get melanoma. And melanoma is a form of skin cancer that begins in the cells that controls the pigment in our skin. And did you know that Bob Marley was just 36 years old when he died from an aggressive form of melanoma that primarily affects people of color? It's a sad fact that Black people have the lowest survival rates for melanoma of any racial group in the United States. The disease is more likely to be detected at a later stage when it is much harder to treat. On this episode, I had an informative conversation with Charmaine Cooper, aka The Skin Theologian. She is the author of the No Compromise Black Skin Care Guide, The Truth About Caring for Darker Skin. We talked about colorism, how black doesn't crack, and common mistakes that we as black people make when it comes to caring for our skin. I hope you enjoy listening to the Black Health Lit podcast and you apply some of the practical information that you learn. However, I do want you to know that Black Health Lit is not a replacement for the advice of your licensed clinical professional. Welcome back to the Black Health Lit Podcast, where we focus on all things Black health. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Charmaine Cooper, and we are discussing skin health equity. Before we jump into the topic, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? I would love to, Rachel. So honored to be here on your podcast. And Black uh, Health Lit is um, just absolutely um, an essential part of not only, I believe, the Black community, but our communities today. So I am honored to, you know, be here with you and your audience and your listening audience. And a little bit about myself I am a skin professional. And I have been in the industry for a little bit over uh, 24 years. I guess I'm approaching 25. Every time I climb a little bit higher, I realize, oh, you're a little bit older. So, (laughs) but that's all good. And um, I am also an author for skin health resources. And um, the reason why I, I went that route is because over my two plus decades of experience working with clients, training and educating skin professionals right across Canada, right across the States, not right across the States, but definitely in the States as well. And in Europe, I have come across the exact same thing. And that is a deficiency in black health awareness around skin conditions, skin concerns. And, And the sad thing is including myself, yeah. I saw that we just all accepted it and I did too. So um, that's been over the years and I've worked for a number of different brands, amazing international brands. I've trained a score of professionals. Um, I also um, have launched my own business, had it for a while. And um, I really wanted to hone in on helping to change the climate of education. And that is 
obviously creating resources that are going to impact and augment the confidence in treating black skin, darker skin hues, melanin-rich skin, so that this elephant in the societal rooms of our lives can go like, oh, yes, deal with that skin. And, oh, we don't treat that skin here. No, 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 no. You are a skin professional. You need to, yes. be able to treat all skin. Exactly. That's a little bit about me. Um, I, I released the book last summer and I, I know we're going to get into that, but yeah. just so, um, yeah, really enriched by so many great professionals I've met over the years. Mm-hmm. So that's a good segue. We did a collaborative book giveaway in November during National Healthy Skin Month. Thank you yes. again for that. Um, that was a really exciting getaway, giveaway. Tell us a little bit about your book and you touched on it a little bit, but what made you write this book? Thank you for that question. I get that question a lot, which I love answering because I think it helps to keep us cognitively aware and in a state of remembrance of the sobering year we had in 2020. So not only not only were we racked with the reality of what this COVID-19 was, because COVID-19 really hit the map worldwide yes. in 2020, but the George Floyd um, shock wave that hit the world, I think it went beyond just hitting people of all ethnicities. It really, really dug deep into um, calling out responsibility for companies, for um, groups and, uh, you know, organizations and communities all around the world. But for me, I really believe that it called out for what are you going to do about it in the industry that you serve in? Yes. And for me, I was asked that year after that shocking month of May to become a part of an inclusivity board of a major association that if I said it here, people would know it very well. And I was honored to be a part of that um, multi-inclusive and diverse board. We called it an inclusivity board to help to change the industry for positivity. So we met a few times on Zoom, obviously no one's meeting in person in <laughs> summer 2020. Yeah. So we met a few times on Zoom and we had some great conversations. Um, uh, people from First Nations and Asian communities, Caucasian, as well as the Black community, we were all around this virtual table. Can I tell you, Rachel, by the end of our summer meetings, I left thinking, whoa, 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 wait, wait, guys, what are we walking away with? What, yeah. what is, I know we had a lot of talk, we had a lot of emotional discussion, but what is the action plan? And the organization that organized it did not have an action plan. That was a wake up call for me. Yeah. That's when it was, Shar, you can't be looking to this association to do what you need to do. Right. You are a professional. You believe you need to make a, dif a difference as well as everyone else, but you only have control on yourself. Right. So I immediately jumped online. I was looking in Google <laughs> resources for black skincare, black skincare textbooks, black skincare, all this. And in 2020, I am appalled to say uh to you honestly Rachel I found nothing now I could be wrong yeah. I know since then thank God 
many, many more people have come to the surface and released books. And I, it just affirmed for me, okay, I knew I wasn't alone. Everyone is doing what they can and what they believe they're called to do. So at that time, there were no black skincare books on Amazon. There were, there was nothing that I could see that wasn't product biased. See, yes. I, I come from an education background where it's about I don't want to push a product. I don't want to be paid to talk about this product. Or when my article or resources are read, people are like, oh, I wonder who's paying her. I, I don't, I didn't want to be that. <laughs> I'm not knocking anyone else, but that yeah. was my ethos. Yeah. So I heard that little inner nudge on the inside set saying, okay, you haven't found anything. Okay. Woman up and create one. So- yeah. <laughs> So that's what I did. And that's really where the book came from. I wanted to make it an introductory level for both consumers or skin professionals and non-skin professionals. Anyone who just wants to know a greater level of confidence with their own skin or treating others' skin. And I believe that I wanted to make it more of a conversation around a table, lose Mm -hmm. all the jargon and the high-tech terms that I learned in school but connect it to people. And right. I wanted also to help to reveal and lift off, um, uh, what can I say, the layers and the smoke screens of these are the major conditions and concerns of black skin, but going to the root of why they exist. And we can't talk about skin concerns in a specific community without investigating and analyzing and understanding the culture of that ethnicity. So um, it's the first release that I released in the summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. And um, I am about to release the sequel, which is more specific to the skin professional in 2022. I knew it was going to be a series and the overwhelming uh, response has been just wonderful. And I've just been humbled and so proud to connect and network with people who are passionate about advocacy for skin health around darker skin hues and melanin rich skin like yourself and so many others. Yeah, that's so interesting how the tragedy of George Floyd ended up being a catalyst for so many things that were needed for decades, even centuries. Um, Because George Floyd was one of my motivators as well. Like, you know, they declared racism a public health crisis in so many municipalities, but then we started getting away from tangible things like black skincare guys or platforms that were dedicated towards improving black health. And I think you brought up a really good point. We can, we, we should have looked inside. How can I make a difference in the world from where I am? Because I can't save the whole world from uh, police brutality. I can't save the whole world from, from skin health. I can't, but I can provide a platform for black health education (laughs) and you can, you can, you know, um, offer something from your skill set and background. And I think that's something that's really important that we do, especially as black people. It's like, you don't have to do everything. Just do something. Do something. (laughs) Do something. (laughs) Do 
something. So something I've heard a lot, um, being in the healthcare industry myself for the past 12 or 13 years, once you get past 10, it just starts blurring. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but something that I have heard from healthcare professionals and patients is that there's this myth, there's this idea, and it's not everybody, but this idea is out there that Black people's skin is thicker um, and we can tolerate more pain. And Come on. When you do immunizations, you've got to really jab it. No. Where, do you, where do you think that comes from? You know, Rachel, it's so um, sad, but it's absolutely true that this um, misnomer and, and misunderstanding and myth still circulates today. Um, I'll say this from the skin health profession, because that's from the perspective that I can, I can speak. Um, it is true that there are a lot of uh, skin professionals, dermatologists, all the way through to uh, estheticians or skin uh, therapists, whatever name that they use, who do believe darker skin is thicker. And they use that statement. Oh, black skin is thicker. Oh, it can handle everything. Ironclad. That simply is just not true. It, 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 it's, it, it's not true. And it's been normalized in its conversation, even in training settings, even in undergrad training settings. And I'll even say this in our own communities. Yeah. So that's something I really want to touch on, I hope we go into a little bit more uh, uh, in depth here, but a lot of these things that have surfaced and flow the, float around in our industries, even that belong and are said in other communities and other cultures, also are within the Black culture. Yeah, we, talk about it. <laughs> we perpetuate it. We yes. pass it down to our children. We pass it down to mom and them and, oh, mama says your skin, come on, girl, you don't need no skincare or it's just, these are things that we perpetuate ourselves. If I yep. take from a uh, theoretical aspect and actual scientific proof, there is a lot of inconclusivity around the layers of the corneocytes of the skin with different within different cultures. And why I say that, there's a lot of statistics out there that are significant, and I'm going to name a few that... Um, I really kind of carry around with me, but it's still, there's just so many conflicting things out there. But one of the things that I have found in my research, and I touch on it in books, uh, volume number one, and I go into a little bit more when volume two is released. But one of the things that is true is that there are layers of the skin in the epidermis, but everyone has the same division of skin. It's the anatomy of the human. Yes. <laughs> Can we just like we are human, we're right? Humans. So, we're human. So the anatomy of the human skin has the same layers. That's what's just true about humanity. Now, where the differentiations come into play is that there are statistics that significantly indicate that different uh, hues or melanin-rich or cultures tend to have different elements and factors. However, there's no conclusivity that can prove that this was a unbiased test or yeah. unbiased um, experiment 
because they could have just been testing a certain community or testing a certain part of the globe. Different parts of the globe determine how our skin is. That is how we all got our hues anyway. Um, One of the things that put in the first book is that um, anthropologists have confirmed, and it might be a hard pill to swallow, but anthropologists have confirmed that humanity started in Africa and it migrated from the center of the equator outward and the further away from the equator that we got the lesser the need for deeper melanin production and and I I mean some people find that very difficult to swallow but if you do your your research you will find that that is what many anthropologists and historians have in textbooks so it's true yeah but within the black skin, based upon some of these um, uh, these findings, there is a higher level of we call it desquamation. Rachel, desquamation just simp- simply means that your skills, your sin- skin cells, excuse me, renew, and they are turning over, and that's why right. we exfoliate to encourage cell turnover. But a black skin tends to have a quicker desquamation at the top of the corneocytes, which means that's where the skin cells release and just come off of the skin. We don't shed our skin like a snake. Yeah, we, we don't shed our skin cells like a snake does and he comes right out of the skin. Humans, we shed our skin and it desquamates. It comes off and releases into the dust particles around us, onto our fingers, onto our washcloths when we wash our face. And this happens every 28 days or so, depending upon your age. Now, a black skin desquamates at least 2.5 to three times faster. Yeah, it is quite interesting. Again, inconclusive, but these are statistic findings that we uh, scientists have found. And I think as a result of that, um, a lot of uh, practitioners or professionals tend to think, oh, you can handle it. Your skin is more durable. It's more um, regenerative or what have you. But that simply is not true. The skin is more compact, but it's not thicker. Um, We have greater levels of transepidermal water loss, which means we can get dehydrated easily. Many of us tend to think, oh, our skin is oily. We don't need any moisturizer. Well, we're not talking about oil. We're talking about water. So all these things have to play with how the skin texture feels, how the skin actually may appear. And I think we have to touch on this as well, the whole aspect of SPF. So if you're not wearing SPF. Oh, yeah. Talk about it. (laughs) And you're just getting sun, sun, sun your skin is going to look more thick because it has a rougher texture because the sun rays, even on a cloudy day, UV radiation, it distorts the surface of the keratinocytes, which is our skin cells. And it actually throws off the whole natural cell renewal process. And unfortunately we don't see it till later on in life, but that's why I believe much of this skin is black that can't, you know, it doesn't get sensitive. It's durable, ironclad. We can handle anything. That's where that kind of comes from. And I'll say one more thing. Yeah. Go ahead. 
4%, this was astounding for your U.S. listeners. This was astounding. 4% of dermatologists um, in their first year of school, their first year of med school, uh-huh. they have uh, in, in the U.S. Are, are students who are of Black descent. Only 4%. It's That's actually really low. It's very low. It is changing, I am happy to say, but it is still remarkably and horrifically low. And because you you and I, we come into a room, we come with our own biases. It's no point us saying that other cultures have biases and we don't, we all come in with our biases. So imagine you coming into your first year of med school and you are what, just one, that looks like you among all these other professionals who will be graduating, how much of those biases are addressed in your studies, unlearned versus the ones that you carry into your practices. So I believe that a lot of these biases come out into the practices, which is why there are professionals who do continue to perpetuate things that simply are not true or factual. Right. Right. You touched on something about the black community perpetuating. Yes. You know, that, that darker skin is, is tougher or even darker people are tougher. And it, it just, it's crazy to me that in 2021, we are still living um, out Willie Lynch's letter and we are still uh, perpetuating colorism and things Uh. and things like that. Is, is crazy. <laughs> yes, isn't it? So like you said, we bring our own biases to the table, even as medical students. And then we do, we grow up hearing black don't crack. Hello. And we think, and we think, <laughs> and so I, my mother, who's a registered nurse, I shared this before she said black don't crack, but it does get melanoma. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And I know we talked about this before, something that a lot of people don't know um, is that Bob Marley died from melanoma at just age 36. Um, He had an aggressive form of melanoma and it primarily affects people of color. And it's sad because a lot like a a lot of other cancers or conditions, we find out later in the game. You got it. So sometimes it's past the point of return or the damage is done and it it decreases our survival rate, which is what happened with Bob Marley. So, so like my mom said, black, black don't crack. Um, but it does get melanoma and that is very real. And it's, it's also very real that we do need to be wearing SPF. I don't care if you have Lupita's melanin. Okay. That's honey? right. Come on. If you are out here chocolatey, chocolatey, gorgeous. Yeah. You still need to wear some SPF. Come on. Come <laughs> on. It's about just being responsible. And, and Rachel, yeah. that, that type of melanoma that your mom's referring to, that yes, unfortunately, we lost a talented, gifted, iconic artist to this. It's called a Kral lentiginous melanoma. And it okay. is most commonly found, we can call it ALM, most commonly found in skin of color. And the sad thing is when you actually see and look into the story of Bob Marley's detection, he actually saw this a long time ago. It was in, he was an avid soccer player, as we all know. And it was, it started under his nail of his big toe. 
and it was a black toe. It was like, it just looked black. But if yeah. you're kicking the ball a lot, runners have a black toe. Athletes get black toes all the time. Yeah. So he just dismissed it as, oh, it's just the impact of hitting the ball. Whereas it was actually cancer that could have been caught. So the sad thing is why it's so prevalent is that dark skin, black skin, melanin, beautiful, rich skin is not self-inspecting. And we are not getting checked by doctors. We are not getting checked even by our GMs of conspicuous, uh, not really sure what that is, thoughts on our body. So that is why when it actually had spread from there, it was way, way too late. And once it gets into the lymphatic system, this is why black health lit is so important. Once it gets past the point of no return, that is where it's so sad because it could have been prevented. If it yeah. hits the lymphatic system, if it hits the bone marrow, if it hits our, our immune system, it spreads rampantly. Yes. And this is why I don't care how beautifully ebony or dark we are, <laughs> we are humans first. And I'll say yes. that boldly because, you know, many people say, well, I'm black first. Okay. Yes. We own our race. This is who we are. We have nothing to be ashamed about. We've come through so much hell and high water. Yes. First, we are humans. We've got to be able to acknowledge what unifies us before we can really appreciate and celebrate what distinguishes us. And if we can't acknowledge the commonality of humanity, we are missing so many opportunities and so many windows of progress, if I can say that, right across the board. And I believe when the Black community believes that we are invincible and we pass it on to our children and our children's children, because I still hear it in my family, believe it, I've been in my industry how many years, and I still hear it in my family. Really, sure? Come on. I have SPF, <laughs> don't make me start, uncle. Come on now. So uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, it we we've got to be able to effect change. And that can only start with education. And not Absolutely. just in a textbook, not just in resources like my book. There's so many others out there, but also around the table, Rachel. When yes. you're sitting with your family, when you're talking, when you have your family gatherings, family Zooms, whatever. We've got to talk about it amongst ourselves. And sometimes respectfully, we need to also not, I hate to use this word challenge, but kind of push the envelope with the more senior um, uh, senior uh, family members, the mm-hmm. ones where the traditions are still perpetuating from. So yeah. it's like, hey, grandma, mom, you know, auntie, I know that you grew up like this, but it's just not the same today. The ozone layer is worse. Pollution is so much more rampant. Our food is just not the same as when you were growing up. Things change. So we've got to be able to talk about it. Yeah. I like that you talked about Black people thinking we're invincible. And I think there's no contest. There's no argument that we are certainly a strong people who have overcome. Yes. Hor- hor- horrific things 
um, across the globe that a lot of different people have not had to overcome. However, thinking we're invincible and thinking that we're the rah-rah, tough and rough, and we can take anything is killing us. Yes, it is. We, we have to acknowledge our humanness and our vulnerability and sensitivity and, and everything that we, we too are human. We bleed, we hurt, we feel pain. We, we get melanoma, we, we get diseases, all of that. So we, I, I hope one day <laughs> we can still remain a strong people, but also acknowledge that we are not invincible and therefore we need interventions from professionals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. What do you think, um, Char, are some of the biggest mistakes or the most common mistakes that Black people make when it comes to caring for their skin? Okay, so I think we mentioned the first one already, and that we'll, yep. we'll, we'll just call it what it is. I don't need SPF. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we spent a significant amount of time really kind of arguing <laughs> that this is just non-foundational. So every skin needs to protect their face, their skin, their body from harmful UV radiation. And, and if you understand, and I had the opportunity to study the melanocyte, that is the skin cell that is responsible for melanin. Now, every uh-huh. ethnicity has melanin, but darker skin, we call it melanin rich because there are differences in the quality and capacity of melanin that's being projected from the heart of that cell to the rest of the skin. Mm. So the beauty about this is that when you understand the structural integrity of the melanocyte cell and where it sits in the skin, and I'm not trying to be scientific, but when you understand this is one of the most complex cells in our bodies, so much so that um, they have found in autopsies that toxins mercury levels, um, drug narcotic levels can be traced into the melanocyte. So when they're doing an autopsy of someone who maybe died of a drug overdose, they actually can extract the melanocyte cell and see that it has absorbed that toxin, that drug. So this cell is so powerful it protects and it gives us our protective mantle. Doesn't mean we're invincible. We still need to nourish and help to um, enhance the health of its function, but it also absorbs that UV radiation. So it's gonna hold on to it. That is why skin cancer is one of the most commonly found ones. For men who golf, for men who you know uh, don't put anything even on their heads, you know, we love our, our bald men. My brother, we do. you know, we do come on girl. So we love brother, them and don't have a beard. <laughs> so do you think they're putting SPF on their heads? My God, do you know how many growths of cancers are being found on our men's heads, the back mm. of their heads, the tops of their ears? No, one's talking about this, Rachel, but this is just the, 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 God honest truth. And it is a part of the awareness that our communities need to be able to talk about. Right. And doctors are seeing this, but we're not hearing about it in our communities. Right. So that is one of the biggest myths that I don't need SPF. We all do. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to tackle the one that you mentioned. I think we 
you know, we've all heard this was even a popular um, TV show that's been released now. I think it's on HBO, Black Don't Cry. That's just perpetuating it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. That's crazy. Heisman last fall in 2021. So I'm sure it's out now, but I haven't seen it, but it's a show around Black Don't Crack, great acting, great lineup of artists and actors and actresses. But the title itself, I think it's just to grab your attention and just see the inspected lives of right. Black beautiful people and their everyday life. However, that's still perpetuating a lie. Black does crack. On average, Black skin or darker skin, melanin-rich skin, ages honestly about 10 years later than our European counterparts. Okay. So it's, it slowly shows, but it's showing, and it's showing in different ways. So we do age we do start to see the loss of tone, the sagging of the skin, the thickened skin layers, lying yeah. wrinkles. We get those, but on average, we get it about 10 years later. And that's yeah. because we do have a deeper melanin uh, um, quality to the skin. Okay. And I'll say one more that is really near and dear to my heart because it's so rampant in the States, um, in North America, in African continents, in Europe, it's everywhere. In Asia, mm -hmm. also Southeast Asia, it is that bleaching is unharmful to the skin. Oh my God. The I'm anti blackness of bleaching. Come on. <laughs> That's the face. It's like bleaching parts of your body. Remember, I talked about the toxins that are held in our body. This is actually proven to be a carcinogenic. It is cancer causing, but does that impact the popularity? No, people are still running for bleaching creams. Why? Because it's a culturally steeped concept. Yes. yes. The caste system, the, the whole, I don't feel beautiful unless I'm lighter. Yes. And perpetuated by parents when they're trying to marry off their daughters i'm telling you this is culturally found in asia also in india it's everywhere so it's these are the realities of the cultural influence into our habits that we see in our communities black be yeah. it indian be it um any different ethnicity because it always has a traditional tether to it and right. that's so hard to undo it's mm -hmm. like someone just don't don't use bleach why are you using bleach stop that yeah it's a lot more complex than that it's it's a mentality it's a unhealthy wellness mentality and it's an obscured perspective of beauty and acceptance yeah it's le it's levels to the anti-blackness the white proximity the colorism i can throw out all the buzzwords like, <laughs> like you said it, it there are levels to it bleaching is definitely one that surprises me still after all these years and we all know <laughs> i think we all know but the desire to feel beautiful is strong with all women we we all want to feel beautiful right and it's just We'll, we'll roll the dice to feel beautiful with something that is a carcinogen or contains carcinogens, which causes cancer. And that, that's, that's tragic. It really is. It is really tragic. Mm -hmm. Make a difference. What, 
And I yeah. think you, what you do is making a difference. And what I'm doing, I'm trying to make a difference. And the beauty about that is there's so many others who are making a difference as well. One person yeah. at a time, one message at a time, one resource at a time. Um, because these things can only be undone slowly to be done, undone properly. You can't yeah. just deal with the fruit. I like to say, always go to the root. We have to deal with the root because yeah. if you stop it in one area, it's going to spring up in another area like a weed. So yeah. rooting the weeds of traditional inferiority. Right. Years, Rachel, can we just say it? That's going to yeah. take, some it's going to take maybe some generations, but we're starting and we're doing our part. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> we got work to do, but we're doing it. <laughs> Yes. Um, so before we close out, I do always ask my guests a few common questions. And one of them is just to outside of your area of expertise, but just more general. And okay. I'm, I'm really interested to know what does wellness mean to you? Oh, that's such a question. I love that question. For me, wellness means a state of mind, a state of emotion and a state of physical wellness, where I am unafraid to protect that state of peace. Yes. Whether it's, uh, you know, working to adjust how I perceive perceptions or things that are happening around me, happening within me, what have you, but it is my deliberate, intentional, um, emotional, mental and physical pursuit of peace and i'm willing to fight for it to protect yes, it yes yes so important because things are always not if bad news comes rachel it's when it comes it yep. comes all it will come but you can still fight to maintain or to pursue that state of calm in your mentality in your emotions, I like to say my spirit, and also your physicality. Absolutely. I live for that. Why do you think Black health literacy is important? It is so important because that is the only way to affect change. Literacy is the only way to undo years of injustice. It is the only way to help to set up a posterity for future generations. It is, the, I mean, I can, I can talk till the cows come home. And this was, I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> this <laughs> I felt in 2020 at the end of that summer of meetings where we were talking, 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 but ain't nothing was happening, 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 happening. Right. Felt the call to create literacy. So to create liter or to help to contribute rather to more literacy around black skin health. And I felt it was like a calling. I, I could not yeah. help. I felt like, well, you can't not do it now. You have to being <laughs> and fearful and imposter syndrome left, right, and center. I did it anyway my friend. I did it anyway. And I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm seeing that there's such a rich community and network that we can support each other to do this. So that's what literacy means to me. It is 
I mean, I'm, I'm finishing up my master's degree as well in theology. And one of the things that we first studied about why history is so important, because I told you we studied anthropology and all that, why history is so important is because it's not about the present generation, it's about the future generation. Yes. History does not have a literacy to it. We lose the rich roots from whence we have come. So yes. I every generation has a responsibility to continue that. Absolutely. And last but not least, you are such a phenomenal person, a phenomenal educator and author. I have truly enjoyed talking with you. If other people want to follow you, link with you, learn more about you, purchase your book, where should people go? Thank you, Rachel. First and foremost, I feel the same about you. You are just one of my heroes, honestly. And I'm just so honored that we connected last year. Yes. Um, to connect with me, the best place that your listeners can go is to my Instagram account. My IG is at the skin theologian. So it's at the skin theologian, one word. And if you go to my link, my bio, you'll see where you can pick up the book on Amazon in the US, the UK, Australia, Canada. And there's also some other great resources there like blogs, articles, a free professional guide on how to care for your skin. If you've got acne, that's a major issue with dark skin as well and, and so much more. And um, if they also wanna join my email community, I so welcome that. It All they need to do is go to skintheologian.com. So if they go to www.skintheologian.com, they can get the professional free guide and sign up or subscribe. And that is where I release promotions first and the updates first on my next resources that are being released. And uh, the next book that's coming out as well will be announced there first. Awesome. And I will make sure that I put all of those links and your Instagram in the episode description. And so that people can just click and see you that way if they're not able to find you from a search. Thank you so much. It's a wrap. Thanks, Rachel. All the best to you. And it was an honor. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember that the Black Health Lit podcast episodes will be released every first and third self-care Sunday of each month. To stay connected, you can find Black Health Lit on Facebook, IG, and Twitter at Black Health Lit. Let's keep the conversation going between each episode on social media with the official hashtag Black Health Lit. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Music or Spotify so that you can stay up to date and travel on this journey to reclaiming our health.